This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before you mash that fast forward button to move to the beginning of today's episode, I'd like to quickly tell you about some ways you can support the show and everything that I'm doing right now. You can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, just go on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. It's incredibly important with the way iTunes works. So if you have a second, please leave a rating and or review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts, you can check out chasethomaspodcast.com. That is on my previous episode, a link to my newsletter, and all my articles that I've written. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer, or you can just tell a friend you found this independent sports podcast that they should check out too. Thank you for listening. You're all the best. And I think we've reached the point in this intro where my uncle Darren can play me in. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome to the Chase Thomas podcast. We're recording this early on a Monday, and Tom Westerholm of Mass Live is here. And Tom, you're not going to believe this, but. You're in Vegas, so you may have missed this, um, come across the, the ticker on ESPN, but uh, the Spurs did not match Kyle Anderson's uh, offer sheet with the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, that was a topic of some discussion out in our summer league yesterday. And was I, it really? It was. I, well, I was, gonna, I was just about to say, I have to say, I can't bring myself to like have hot takes about it. Like, mm-hmm. like there's, I mean, there's been so much... Spurs news that feels so much more impactful to the Spurs, like, you know, Tony Parker and all the Kawhi stuff. And, you know, even just like the Spurs legacy that when a Kyle Anderson not getting matched on his uh, MLE rolls around, I'm just kind of like, yeah, no, I sure, I guess. <laughs> How much are they paying him and Chandler Parsons in 2018? Let's look. Or 2018. Okay, so it's 24 for Chandler. It's eight. For, yeah, um, Kyle Anderson. So thirty-two million dollars in twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen for Chandler Parsons and Kyle Anderson. Well, I mean, at least they'll probably get minutes out of Kyle Anderson. So that's a. That's I mean, a... I can't be too hard on Memphis, but I just—they're really going for it, and I really do think they believe that they are going to be back in the playoffs this year. Which I don't know that many teams that lost as many games as they did because I think they are what like. They won 22 games, I think, last year, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it took almost 50 to get in the playoffs in the West this year. I think it was 48, 49. I don't see uh, almost a 30-game jump just from a healthy Gasol and Mike Conley. 
I, I just I don't know where those wins are coming from. And I I really like Jaron Jackson. I think he's going to turn out to be a really good player for them. And mm-hmm. it's really perfect for him to play behind J. Michael Green for a couple years. I think he's like the perfect guy to play behind. And um, he makes sense for them and everything else. And they signed Emory Caspi. Like uh, my dude, Marshawn Brooks made a resurgence <laughs> with the team at the end of last year. So I hope that continues. Dylan Brooks is okay. But like, I don't know, man, like the Kyle Anderson thing, just, it was a combination of Kyle Anderson going to grit uh, Memphis on that contract. And then them losing Tyreek Evans for nothing. When they had the opportunity to trade him at the deadline this year and Chris Wallace chose not to, because they felt they had a good chance of resigning him. And uh, shout out to Chris Wallace for continuing to um, do Chris Wallace like things. So, um, you know, I would say with, with Evans, I would say though, I think, I don't know that they ever got a great offer for him. Cause I know they were really trying to get that first round pick and, you know, that was always going to be really tough. Um, but you know, I kind of, if you think that there's even a chance of resigning him and that's something that you really want to do, and the only offers you're getting are, you know, like some like fairly valuable second round picks. I mean, maybe this year's draft is the exception because it was so deep and there were so many cards that you could take in the second round that could potentially replace somebody like Evans. But even so, I mean, I just, if the only like compensation that you were potentially getting for a guy with second round picks and you decided to just hold on to him, I can't fault you that much if you really like a guy. Like I don't know that that's one of the bad moves. I would say that stocking okay. your, that I would say I would say that stocking your team when you have Jaron Jackson Jr. and you know I, you said playing behind him, Michael Green. I can't imagine he'll be playing behind him for more than half of the season. Like he's too good. Really? I, okay. I man, he's really good. Like it is. And he's just you know, he's such a perfect fit for the modern NBA. Um, I, I still think I think there's other bigs in this year's draft that have higher ceilings than him, but I just think that he's going to be really good. And you can you know if you lose, I, I guess if you lose a lot this year, um, the Celtics obviously have the Memphis pick, but it's protected. And if if they're in the lottery, then there's a good chance they get to keep their pick. And I don't know. I, I just think that really going for it this season when you're not going to win the championship, you're not going to even get that close. Um, and you know, you've got this young rookie who's really good. I don't totally know where they're going with that decision, but the Evans one, I guess I can, at least, at least I think there's a decent justification for it. You know, what's funny is I don't feel like a lot of people know that the Celtics are going to be taking, uh, somebody with the number two pick next year. (laughs) I don't think it's hit other people yet. Like I think us NBA just aficionados and obsessives know that this is coming, but mm-hmm. I don't think the the casual basketball fan or sports fan knows that Boston is gearing up for one more ridiculous lottery pick. Like, that pick's conveying in 2019. That's happening. Unless the Kings get the number one pick in the draft, um, it's conveying to Boston. And guess what? The Kings are going to be terrible this year. Like, the West terrible. is stacked. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> the, the West is going to be good. And uh, Marvin Bagley, not exactly going to uh, ramp up that uh, playoff contention window for them. So not this year. I, uh, I think that, no. And I think uh, the Celtics are going to get like a number two, number three overall pick in the draft next year. And it's it's insane. Yeah. So I, that's interesting to hear from you because like the, you know, the people who interact with me on Twitter on like a daily basis talk about that incessantly. Um, so, you know, I really? Okay. Oh, my God. So Boston fans are aware. They're excited. Oh, they are so excited. Um, And I mean, you know, it's funny because it's not even like, there's not even really a name to it yet because we haven't seen a lot of these guys. And, you know, I think there's, um, and it's also interesting too, because 
after drafting Robert Williams, um, you know, <laughs> people like fans of the sure team you enjoy covering this dude. <laughs> he's he's something, man. We can talk about him eventually if you want to. But um, you know, after drafting him, a lot of I think a lot of Celtics people were like, you know, like Celtics fans were like, okay, now we have the big of the future, and we're all set there. So now you know we don't need to worry about the 2019 draft not really having any big men and. So now you can just kind of look around the 2019 class and I think every Celtics fan is just like, oh, Nasir Little, oh, R.J. Barrett. Like, we're going to get this, like, you know, yet another superstar there. So, uh, but it is interesting. I kind of wonder if people aren't aware of the 2019 pick because it's been traded in so many fake trades already. Like, everybody's assuming that it's going to, uh, you know, San Antonio for Kawhi Leonard or people assumed that it was going to, um, you know, Orlando to move up to number six this year or something like that. I just kind of wonder if people have, I've already traded it in their mind, sort of. Maybe. It just doesn't feel like it has the same sort of gravitas that uh, the Brooklyn pick had for a year and a half, where everybody just could not stop talking about that and where it was going to land. And I'm like, this is going to be a better pick than the Brooklyn pick. This is something that... <laughs> well, let's be... It's just... This, it, this past year's Brooklyn right. pick? Because, I mean... Yes. Okay, okay. I was going to say, I mean, the Brooklyn picks, like, did... Um, you know, bring Jason Tatum and the Cavs. I got you. Yeah, no, in the trade with the Cavs, yeah. where it was like, oh, the Cavs got the Brooklyn pick out of Boston for the uh, for Kyrie, and it's not that bad. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I think the Nets are going to be good, and they're trying. So I, <laughs> I don't think that's going to be a great pick. And it turned out to be Colin Sexton. So yeah, right, not great, but uh, this pick it's going to be number two, number three overall probably because the Kings are going to be terrible, and unless it goes number one, which I guess is possible, but um, it is the Kings and the NBA, I think, has to step in at some point if they do get the number one overall pick of like, no, sorry, you don't get this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, deserve this. one thing that Celtics writers have been talking about quite a bit is just like, can you imagine the drama if that Kings pick goes to the commercial break and it's the two <laughs> best teams in the Eastern Conference, you know, number one and number two, and whoever gets that pick is getting like a true like game changer talent, um, you know, because if the Sixers get it, they're probably getting RJ Barrett, and that kid is awesome. Uh, and if the Celtics get it, obviously they get to add to this ridiculous stockpile. So I mean, that would be a pretty fun moment of television if if, if it so went to the commercial break and it was down to that. Yeah. Do you know what's not going to go to the commercial break? That Mavericks pick that the Hawks got in the Luka Doncic trade. That's top five protected. I've got some bad news for Hawks fans and Travis Schlink. That pick is not going to be great next year. It's going to be like an eight or nine overall. Maybe. The Mavericks are going to be good. They're coming. Like, DJ is going to really help them. They have a good starting five. Like, they have a good mix of veterans and young guys. Doncic is going to be fantastic. And Dennis Smith Jr. is too good for Summer League. So, I... uh, I think they're going to win a lot of games, and Rick Carlisle is a really good coach. So that's coming. Um, but they have to be careful because Yogi Farrell took his qualifying offer. So they're losing out on my dude Yogi after this year. So um, <laughs> embrace Yogi Farrell for as long as you can because the Yogi days in uh, Dallas are coming to a close. Um, is there any chance the Celtics would trade that pick for Kawhi? Uh, I mean, with the usual qualifiers. Like if. Uh, yes. Look, if, if Kawhi was healthy, and they don't need him to like, commit to resign. They just need to know that he would consider it, and then they would certainly trade it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I think if he – look, he, he's a top-five player when he's healthy, you know, and, and they would need to mm-hmm. see the medical records, and they would need to know that he would consider it. And that's literally all he needs to say, and they would happily give it up. 
they don't need a guarantee. They didn't need a guarantee from Kyrie, although he basically, you know, he told them, I mean, I'm very excited to be joining you. I'm thrilled to be joining you, et cetera. Um, but they didn't need a guarantee from him. They just needed to know that he would consider them in the same way that he would consider the other teams on his list. And unless Kawhi gives them something like that, then no. Uh, you know, I, then at that point, okay. I think it would be tough for them to give up Terry Rozier because <laughs> you just, you know, okay. you're giving up something, <laughs> you're giving up something really good for nothing and you don't want to do that um so we'll see i i, I think uh I, I don't think that Kawhi is going to be a celtic that doesn't seem like it's really on the table at this point um things can change obviously but you know that the, there's too much noise elsewhere and there's been a little bit too much noise about him not really being that interested in the celtic situation for that to happen I feel like I've already penciled in Terry Rozier of being the point guard for the Phoenix Suns next year. Is that going to happen? Can that just happen? Because I like those moves where you just look at the NBA landscape and you're like, okay, what does this team need to get to the next level? Do you know when you invest a max contract to someone like Devin Booker, mm-hmm. um, there it, it's you got to find like they don't have a point guard next to him right now. I mean, Alfred Payton obviously went back home to New Orleans and their point guard situation, which ironically enough, is dire considering they had like three uh, point guards that they're paying a lot of money to just a couple years ago, and now they're all gone. But um, I just, I feel like Terry Rozier is the perfect fit. They have the relationship with McDonough and Ainge and everything else. Like, let's get Terry Rozier on the Suns. Let's do Rozier and Devin Booker. It makes too much sense. And then you have Josh Jackson, then you have DeAndre Aiden and whatever else at the four. Like, who's even going to be there starting for this year? I feel like I'm blanking, but I don't, I mean, think, it's it, it, I don't think it's Chris. Yeah, I mean, it, it, might, it probably isn't Elliot Kobo, but he's kind of the answer. I mean, he, he's he's pretty good. Okay. Um, he, I, I, you know, I don't know if he starts at the beginning of the year, but I, I think he's good. But I mean, uh, I mean, I guess if you like pitch to me what the trade would be that the Celtics would say yes to, because you know they have a really high opinion of um, uh, Rozier, and I, you know, I don't know that they're they're definitely not going to just give him away. Mm-hmm. But they wouldn't do something like T.J. Warren. No, no. Oh, no. And it's not, it's nothing against TJ Warren. It's just like they, they have no use for a, like another wing like that. Another sort of like, they're already really crowded at that point. Um, at that position, I interest you in Brandon Knight and his $14 million (laughs) this year. Um, uh, are you like is Aiton included? Like, what's what's the deal here? Um, no, I can't include Aiton, but I can include Tyson Chandler. He's a young 35, a young and spry. A young 35. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the other, thing like to, a, yeah. the other thing to keep in mind with the Celtics with pretty much any trade is that they have no bad deals on their roster, which actually comes like becomes a bit of a problem because they yeah. are, like they, to literally to match a deal. I mean, this comes up a lot with Kawhi where it's like, you know, they would definitely include the Kings pick, but they're also going to have to include like Jalen Brown or, you know, they're not going to trade Tatum, but I mean, they would have to include Jalen Brown just because his contract helps match, which is kind of wild yeah. because everybody else on that team, you know, is on a really good deal or a really team friendly deal. A really cheap deal. Yeah. Everybody, you're and, either making a bunch of money or you're making no money on that team right now. Exactly. And all the guys who are making a bunch of money are not going anywhere. So does that include Gordon Hayward? Yes, that includes Gordon Hayward. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think they're Wouldn't really... would be crazy if that was if he got traded this offseason and the only Celtic memory of him and Brad Stevens was just, uh, like, five minutes of action? That was it? 
that would be the only memory. That would be the only memory nationally. As every Celtics fan would think back fondly to the preseason games where the Celtics oh, were making okay. like two extra passes that they didn't need to make, and then they would get like a just as open three because they were all feeling so unselfish. Like I think Celtics fans are still really looking forward to that nirvana of passing and spacing and three point shooting and everything else. But yeah, I mean, I I would Gordon Hayward's not going anywhere this summer. I mean, if he does. I will be one, I will be shocked. And two, it'll, you know, it, it would just be seismic, obviously, but I, I sincerely doubt that he's going anywhere. Are you buying the Kyrie Irving's going to leave next summer noise? It's a good question. Um, I think, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily like buying the noise makes it sound like I think that he's leaving and I don't, you know, I wouldn't, I would, I would say, I think he will probably be resigned. Um, that, that seems like the most likely outcome. I also don't think it's like any kind of a guarantee, but I do think that, you know, he's really excited to play with Gordon Hayward. And there was like, I think there was one non answer that he gave that sort of made everybody wonderful about it. But I mean, look, he is, you know, <laughs> like he, he's also said all of the right things, um, you know, in other interviews. And he's also, you know, really only said well, the kind of he said all of the right things have you heard him talk about the flat earth stuff so <laughs> some things he is saying is is not right actually some factually incorrect things certainly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know he's, but, he, he's uh, said a lot of point. yeah yeah he said a lot of things that other free agents usually say you know he said i'm really mm-hmm. excited about this year i really want to win a championship this year we'll talk about next year when it comes and sometimes he says it you know in ways that are a little bit weirder or like a little bit more Kyrie-esque. But, like, he's still saying, if you parse through everything, he's still saying basically the same thing that every other free agent says. So, you know, I by, by no means do I think it's guaranteed that he stays with the Celtics and maybe New York is the best option for him. You know, maybe that's, maybe he just really wants to be in a city like New York. Um, I think that's plausible. But, you know, I, I think we're making a really big deal out of it right now because it's July and nothing has happened on the yeah. Kawhi front in a little while and we need something to talk about. So I don't, I would not put too much stock into it yet while still cautioning that, yeah, I mean, maybe. Okay. Speaking of the Kawhi stuff, my favorite thing to come out in the last week on Kawhi, and it's not that he was shuttled away in New Orleans with a hoodie on to get to the All-Star game a couple years ago. It's not that. No, 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 no. My favorite thing is potentially sending him to the Raptors. That is my new thing. I am 100% here for this. The Raptors are that team, like, so... I was talking to Matt Moore about this the other day where, so the Hornets have like the perfect roster if there was a superstar on the team. So like that team looks amazing and wins close to 60 games in the East. If LeBron or Kawhi or somebody like that, Kevin Durant, whoever is on that team, like it's the perfect team to surround a superstar player with. Like that is what LeBron has thrived with forever, but they don't have that. So it's just a hodgepodge of, average guys so they're like 14th and offensive rating and like 16th and defensive rating every year and they're not that bad and they're just super unlucky and everything else but i think the raptors are kind of in that similar boat where like if you put Kawhi on that team like that team's going to the finals for at least the next couple of years like that's a really good team if you have Kawhi, i mean you'll have to give og and anobi and probably norman powell and a couple other things but they have like all their future first and second round picks turns out masai ujiri good gm and uh you know, I, I could just see a scenario where, like, if they don't have to give up Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan in the deal, which I don't think they necessarily would. Like, I don't know if the Spurs would love either of them. I guess yeah. maybe Kyle Lowry more than DeRozan would be my guess. But 
who knows? And then you see what happens. But Kawhi on the Raptors, man, that's like a... I love the wrinkle that throws into the top of the East because LeBron's gone. So we don't know who's going to break through. It's either, it seems like the conventional wisdom is it's going to be either the Celtics, the Sixers, and that's it. And then there's like a slight buzz around the Bucks, but we can talk about them in a little bit. But the Raptors are still sitting there. They were the number one team in the East last year. They're bringing back everybody. They have a lot of young players. Like you think that they're going to get better. Um, they're going to be more offensively focused and everything else. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, why in the mix, man? I'm here. I am 100% here for this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and they're they're much better now that LeBron is in the other conference. But I, you know, I'm kind of, I can kind of see that. I, I really don't trust the Raptors at this point. Um, you know, I I, I think that it, one, I think it would it would be tough for them. To, I I think that if the Raptors were making a push for Kawhi. Um, you know, the Sixers would maybe then surrender um, Markel Fultz or, you know, the Lakers would maybe bend and offer, you know, what, whatever piece it is that's holding up that, yeah, you know, end of the deal. Because, um, you know, you, you do kind of worry about the, the Paul George situation, even though Paul George and Kawhi are such different people. But um, as far as the fit, yeah, maybe. Um, the, I think the Celtics at this point, um, I think they have to be the favorites. Uh, I, I think you know, Philadelphia is mentioned a lot, I think, because, you know, it's tough to just be like, oh, I think there's one obvious favorite. Um, the Celtics just beat that Philadelphia team without their two best players. So I generally think the Celtics are definitely favored over them. But the Raptors definitely, you know, I think the Raptors definitely wish they had faced Boston, uh, obviously. They play them better. Yeah, yeah. they play them better than they, they certainly play them better than they play LeBron. Um, That's true. That's the understatement of the year. <laughs> um <laughs> So, you know, I mean, that would, that would definitely be interesting. I think, I kind of wonder, because if you got Kawhi, you would be giving up any and all depth um, to your team, especially youth. And uh, so much of what the Raptors were good at last year was being really good in their, being like, you know, being good in their starters and then crushing you with their depth. And, you know, you lose a lot of that depth. You get you get Kawhi, you get a lot better in your in your starters. I wonder how much that lack of, you know, that lack of, we'd call it five through eight would hurt you at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, again, not to keep bringing it back to the Celtics, but the Celtics are going to have that depth from five through eight. So, um, you know, it would be, it would definitely be interesting. It would be really fun to have another team in the Eastern Conference to where, and, and just another, a, another look to the Eastern Conference. You know, it's, it's going to be fun this year because the Sixers are going to be really good and the Celtics are going to be really good. And those teams will have an actual chance to go to the finals this year. Um, but it would be really fun to just have another star in the Eastern Conference, another real team that looks like it could make a push, just a little more buzz. Because the Western Conference right now, you know, it doesn't so much have a buzz, it's got a roar. And, like, the Eastern Conference has none of that. So, I mean, I would be all for it. I would really doubt that it would happen just because I think somebody would pony up the assets to make it work if it looked like the Toronto thing was happening. But. So you think it's just like a leverage situation where it's like you're they're just throwing it out there to scare the Sixers and the Celtics and the Lakers a little bit of like, oh, R.C. Buford and Masai Ujiri have a good relationship. Yeah. They might do a deal here. Um, I, I, think I don't know, man. Like, I think Fred Van Fleet's really good. And if you just entered him to the starting role next to DeRozan and Kyle Lowry was included in that deal to San Antonio and you ran out DeRozan, Van Fleet, Kawhi, Surge and like whatever else is left over, like Jakob Pertle or whatever, like that's or Pascal Siakam. 
maybe that's it. Or maybe he goes in the deal, whatever. But I yeah. think that's a really good five. Oh, that's, you know, that's, that's a good Toronto team. But I, I, again, I don't see what San Antonio, why San Antonio would do that deal. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, there's like, you get Kyle Lowry, that's fantastic. But I mean, San Antonio is smart enough to know that, you know, without Kawhi, they don't have, a, you know, any chance of, you know, even probably making the Western Conference Finals. Like they don't even, that's, that, that's not even on their radar as a team if they make that deal. So, I mean, why would you do that when, if, if you're going to make a deal, you know, even, you know, I mean, even say like Kuzma and two firsts from the Lakers. I mean, that's a, that's a bad deal for San Antonio, but, you know, at least then you're getting young pieces, which to me seems like it would probably be the, um, you know, sort of the goal there. What do you think is more irrational, Lakers fans' uh, uh, insistence on not including Kuzma in a Kawhi deal or Celtics fans not including Terry Rozier in a Kawhi deal? What's more <laughs> insane? I think you would see most Celtics fans uh, they are very down to include Rozier. And I mean, because mm-hmm. what most okay. Celtics fans will tell you is they don't want to include Jalen in, in a deal because Kawhi would be a rental, which is, you know, mm-hmm. relatively fair. Um and I mean, we're still assuming that. And Paul George just resigned with the team that everybody assumed was going to be a rental situation. And Boston's a better situation than Oklahoma City. Like I don't, I don't like the rental stuff anymore. It's like I, we don't necessarily know. Like the assumed <laughs> rental stuff is kind of, I don't know. It's played it's, out to me. I, I don't know if I buy it. It's not so much assumed rental stuff. You don't know that. You you just don't know after he's gone. Whereas Jalen. You know, you know you can offer him the rookie extension. You know that he's probably going to be on the team for those years. And you also know that you're going to be really good after that. So, I mean, it's more it's more that you get a guaranteed however many years of Jalen versus potentially one year of Kawhi, and you don't know how healthy he is, and you don't know if he even wants to play there. And I, mean, I think there's a, a reasonable question of, like, how well will a guy play if he doesn't even want to be there? Um, but, you know, and so, I mean, I, I guess I would – if I'm the Lakers, if I'm a Lakers fan, I mean, obviously – it's hard to tell fans not to be excited about young players because they're so much fun. And you just like, you know, you don't know what he could be. Like maybe he could be this guy. Um, but you know, with Kuzma, it's like, you don't know what he could be. Like maybe he could be like a star, you know, combo forward. Maybe he could be, you know, maybe he really, you know, continues to shoot really well. Maybe he continues to be able to create off the dribble. Like it's hard to tell a fan, don't be excited about that guy when he's just coming off his rookie season. Um, but I do Uh-oh. think, yeah. But, but, but I mean, I do think it's pretty clear that Kawhi would re-sign with the Lakers. It's pretty clear that, you know, Kawhi yeah. and LeBron would be a, a, a contending, you know, forward combination. Because playing with Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo <laughs> and everybody else for a year is like, why would I do that? Obviously, this is a talent issue on this roster and that Magic Johnson may not have the best eye for talent. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, those moves were... Uh, that doesn't sound fun to me, actually. Like, if I'm like, I, I just my favorite theory is that all these one-year deals for Javale and Lance and uh, guys like that, um, it's and it's a subtle tank of like LeBron's just not going to work as hard this year. So they added a bunch of playmakers because they knew they couldn't contend with the Warriors anyway. <laughs> so LeBron's going to take it easy, get acclimated, and then dip back in the free agent pool in 2019. Um, I I love that theory because that's the only thing that makes sense to me, and not. Rondo's uh, takes on how to beat the Warriors, which includes um, not shooting more threes. So, um, yeah, no, it I mean, it, it, it's like the, the most defensible way you could look at it would be to say, like, teams that beat the Warriors have a lot of playmakers and, like, teams that, like, and, you know, have some versatility. And I guess you could say that some of these moves 
like in theory have versatility, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty clear right now that they're assembling a team that has no chance. I mean, like, who is the team that gave the Warriors the biggest push this year? The team yeah, that it was shoots a... <laughs> a ridiculous amount of threes. Right. Like, we know. But I will say, on the flip side, I love that they're building this weird as hell team. Like, I don't want, like, the homogenization of a lot of offenses is kind of frustrating and boring. So, like, the Lakers are trying to zag a little bit. Is it going to work? Of course not. No. <laughs> Nothing. The answer is never Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo and JaVale McGee in 2018. That's never going to be the answer to any question. Correct. Um, but will it be more entertaining, which people forget? Sports is about entertainment, and you're supposed to entertain the fans. And like we've gone down this just super business-heavy approach to everything that like we forget that I have league pass, and I need to make sure that when I am scrambling on a Tuesday night trying to find a good game, Oh, perfect. I get JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson, and Rajon Rondo trying to playmake around LeBron James. Perfect. I'm in. I don't want every team looking like the Rockets, but who has a better chance or the better strategy of beating the Warriors? I'm going to go ahead and say it's the team that would have beaten them if Chris Paul didn't get hurt. That's the better strategy. It's just not more enjoyable to watch. So it's, um, it, it's whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, I agree. I think you know, for us, it's great because we get a more entertaining product. Um, I would say that it doesn't reflect well on the general managers whose actual job it is to win games. But again, that's not what our job is. So they can uh, no. they can continue to make our jobs easier for us. Uh, I'm all I'm all here for it. Um, if Toronto doesn't land Kawhi, which I don't <laughs> think is going to happen, but I can still hold out hope. Um. Do they trade DeMar or Kyle Lowry? Because they've been really quiet this offseason. Like, LeBron's gone, and now they're facing just this difficult dilemma of, like, okay, there's two roads here. Like, do we believe that the team we had last year, if we didn't run into LeBron, does this team make the finals? And uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but I do know when they had a healthy Van Fleet, they were really hard to beat. Mm-hmm. And I did not intend to rhyme there, but that is just how it works. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Ujiri does this summer because if he does if he keeps both of them, he doesn't trade for Kawhi, whatever, trade for another star. I I do wonder what the plan is there because maybe they they just believe that elevating Nick Nurse to uh, just unleash his offense in a complete capacity with this group. They think, you know what? People are not going to buy it. Like we fired the coach of the year and we promoted a longtime assistant, even though he's been a head coach for like 15 years all over the globe and everything else. So it's not like he's a new coach. Um, I I just, I think it's really fascinating what Toronto does, because if I could see the argument for just keeping it together and seeing what happens in a post LeBron world in the Eastern conference. But I also could see like, you know, how many more years do we have to see of this duo before we're like, you know what, let's just split them up and see what happens. And um, you have Van Fleet on this amazing deal, but you have a lot of money tied up in Jonas and uh, Abaka. So it's just, I, I, I don't know. They have a lot of interesting things they can do, but um, I, I do think they should. I feel like they're going to do something, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, I really do feel like they're going to jump at something. I don't think Masai and Nick Nurse are running it back with this exact same group. I could see that. I personally, what I would do is, you know, they've got some time to push. They, their deadline isn't right now. Their deadline isn't this summer. Their deadline is the trade deadline. Um, and I think 
you can go into the season and see how good you look. Like if you, if, if, if you go into the season and you put together, you know, a couple of, you know, six or seven game winning streaks and you're, you know, you're well over 500 and you're contending for the number one seed in the East. And, you know, people are starting to get a little buzz about you again. Uh, I think that at that point, there's going to be real questions about, well, you know, the Raptors didn't face the Celtics, you know, they, maybe they make it to the Eastern conference finals if they, if they, you know, don't run into LeBron in the second round. And, you know, then you can start talking about, well, you know, the, the Raptors play everybody else really well. It's just that LeBron was in their heads. And if they get to the finals, then LeBron probably won't be there because he has JaVale McGee and Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo on his team. So, you know, I think that you can start to talk yourself into it if you look really good. And if you look just kind of okay, um, I think that then you can start to, you know, look at look at potentially blowing it up because they aren't in any real hurry. They're, they're not a team that is going to contend for like a super good lottery pick. Um, so if they win games at the start of the season, it's not a Knicks situation where it's disastrous and they end up with, you know, the number nine instead of the number two. Um, so I, I think the, I think they can sort of play it by ear a little bit for the first couple of months. Just take it, you know, look what they have, um, you know, look at how, you know, you know, again, with a new coach and with, uh, you know, with, with the old roster and just kind of a new system, see how it looks run it back. If it doesn't work, then maybe you start to talk about, you know, blowing it up and you start to talk about trading some of these guys, but that would be my move. Um, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where their heads are at. Um, but I do kind of wonder, <laughs> I think at this point, even the rappers are willing to admit that like LeBron was in their heads, that he was, yep. you know, the boogeyman for them sort of, and he's gone. So maybe, you know, maybe it goes a little bit better this year. And maybe you just even, subconsciously maybe they get a little burst of confidence from that of just knowing like the obstacle that has stood in front of us for the past four years or whatever is gone um i don't know that that would just be my move so i have three moves for them and you can tell me whether or not you would do any of these if you're you jerry okay Okay. all right guess who's still sitting in cleveland ohio right now kevin love (laughs) i was gonna say jr smith but Oh, that is true. He is also there, but I don't think uh, Masai Ujiri is uh, going back into the J.R. Smith well because I think they crossed paths in Denver, right? I feel like they were. Oh, that sounds uh, right. Yeah. Ujiri was there. Yeah. yeah. Um, hard pass. Kevin Love in Toronto. So they just take. Uh, obviously, you'd have to move like Jonas or who I believe was like originally drafted by the Cavs, right? And then like traded on a draft day night trade, or did I misremember that? Or was the whole thing of like they could have taken him and they took Tristan instead? I think that was, was the it. same draft. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Um so maybe that's it. Maybe this group is interested in the Valachunas contract. Who knows? Maybe they want some Serge Ibaka in their life. I, I don't know. Uh Norman Powell who fell to the rotation. Maybe he can jump start his career in uh Cleveland. Who knows? So that's number one. Number two, say, say that, say that one. Say number one package again. Um, oh, the package is a hodgepodge because the salary to make it work, you'd have right, to include right. either uh, Jonas Valanciunas or um, Serge Ibaka. Okay, like one of the two have to go to Cleveland in that deal. Um, which, whatever, we'll see. I, I, Colby Altman has made it clear that they don't want to go through a full-on rebuild like they did with the Dion Waiters, Kyrie Irving, and Tristan Thompson early days and right. Anthony Bennett. Um, so we'll see if they stick to it, but I have my doubts anyway that they're going to be good even if they do keep Kevin Love. So uh, trade him now before that value tumbles even more. So Raptors make sense to me. Number two, you know who I'm calling? Portland. 
hey, Portland, we have two guards that we're not sure 100% work long-term. You have two guards that you're not sure are going to work long-term. What if we mix and match our pieces? What if we uh, just, you know, uh, Damian Lillard, how does he like, uh, I know he's a SoCal guy, but would he be into the idea of playing uh, basketball in Toronto? Like what if they did uh, Damian Lillard and DeMar DeRozan, two SoCal guys in Toronto? Why not mix it up a little bit there? I I like that. Um, And then number three, my favorite one, I'm calling Minnesota. Like, if I'm a Sayujiri, that's my long play of, like, not Cat, it's Butler. Like, if Jimmy Butler is actually pissed off about playing with Cat, do you know who he's not going to be pissed off playing with? Serge Ibaka, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, those kind of guys. Like, he's going, like, that is not a situation where he's going to be annoyed with the kind of defensive talent, the length, the, just, they play really hard, they're deep. Like, it's just a smart basketball team that I think that he would like playing with and I, i'm just sniffing around if i'm a, i'm jerry not andrew wiggins and that contract which i still look at once a day just to <laughs> think about how that happened and um the fact that he got that contract because glenn taylor looked him in the eye and said <laughs> i just can't i wish i was in the room for that um are you gonna earn this money if i give you this are you gonna promise me you're gonna work hard and become a max level player uh, whatever but uh wiggins still belongs in orlando but call scott Layden. he is the general manager in minnesota not good at it it turns out go back to his next days there's two bad general managers in professional basketball now and one of them is in minnesota so take advantage of that call them see if you can get jimmy butler and if they get jimmy butler and they got him to resign for like two to three years whatever they're winning the east that's happening that seems that that seems uh, a little. Uh, I mean, not like too optimistic, but a little it. too confident um, that they're winning the. I East. don't think so. I love Jimmy Butler, man. I am Jimmy Butler. I I'm just I, I'm a Jimmy Butler stan, and I just I want him on the right team, and I want him on a good team. And if he goes back to the East, I think, and you pair him with Demar and Kyle Lowry, I think they're winning the East. Um. Well, you've got two stars that nobody is like super super concerned if they shoot threes i mean you don't like love it if jimmy butler gets an open three but you're not like freaking out about it with either of those guys um yeah i I like i like the fit with jimmy butler for sure um you know i think that would be fun i really don't know what toronto would give up that would make minnesota say yes um you know it'd be kyle lowry it would probably have to be lowry yeah and even then you know, maybe because I, I mean, mean, there was rumored interest before, right? Like, didn't they almost sign him and they ended up with Jeff Teague instead? Yeah, I feel like well, that was yep. a big thing. Yep, I you know I could see that, um, but uh, you know, again, I think uh, I think if you're Minnesota, I think you're looking a little bit longer term than that because you know your best player is still Carl Anthony Towns, and you know, longer term, it's a coach GM. There's no long-term strategy in Minnesota right now. They're throwing out all the money. Like, there's no long-term strategy in Minnesota. It's win now. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, I think that you're also, I mean, like, how how much does, like, moving a Jimmy, if at all, does moving Jimmy Butler and bringing in Kyle Lowry, like, improve your right now? You know, I don't, I don't know that it does. Okay, so you, you know, you're thinking logically with Minnesota, and <laughs> that's your first problem because Scott Layden and Tom Thibodeau are not thinking like that. 
and if Jimmy Butler goes to them, well, like, you're talking hey, about you're also talking about trading. Year. You're also talking about trading like the ultimate Tibbs guy, and I know that he's like frustrated in yeah. Minnesota, but like you are talking about trading the singular human being in the NBA who is just like who just makes perfect sense for Tom Thibodeau, just like the hardest yeah. working, you know, star who just you know work 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 constantly, always in the gym, always getting better. Um, so. You know, that's uh, even a. Uh, I think that would probably be a, a pretty tough pitch for even for Minnesota staff. Okay, those are just my ideas, but yeah. um, I they should uh, Messiah. I know you're listening. Just consider those, but <laughs> always call Scott Layden. You never know what you're going to find. Call Chris <laughs> Wallace. See what's up uh, with Gasol and Conley and friends. Go see what they're doing. Um, see if there's anything left you can pillage from Sacramento. Just call the right guys. Yeah. Um, and you never know what's going to happen. Um, can we talk about Milwaukee for a second? Because I feel like they are the sleeping giant in the East. I think we've talked a lot about the Raptors, the Celtics, the Sixers. Giannis with Mike Budenholzer. Like, Mike Budenholzer is a very, very good basketball coach. And we've forgotten that a little bit because of what he had to coach in Atlanta this past year. And he's not a good uh, GM. And that's also hurt his stock a little bit where – uh, that, uh, it, the 61 team, um, got him a position to run things with Wes Wilcox and it did not go well. It ended with, uh, an idea that, uh, I still think about a lot of Dwight Howard and Al Horford being on the same team together and starting <laughs> next to one another. That was only two years ago that that almost happened. Um, that was a real thing. So quick side note about that. Brooke Lopez. Quick oh, side yeah. note about that. Uh, Celtics fans still like to bring up the Woj tweet about, um, you know, it, uh, saw, I think it was Boston and Washington are, you know, quickly giving up hope about signing out Horford. And then literally, I mean, it had to be like five seconds later, Horford tweets, like something with like a bunch of like shamrocks that he's going to Boston. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it turns out pitching something like that to a smart basketball player, like Al Horford was like, uh, I'm going to pass, <laughs> but good luck yep. with Dwight. <laughs> yep. Um, but Milwaukee has a one-year deal now with Brooke Lopez, who's whatever. They signed my guy Ilyasova, who is just a Mike Budenholzer lifer at this point. Like Mike Budenholzer loves him some Urson Ilyasova. He signed three years. They re-signed Jennings. I think they're gonna move Bledsoe. I don't think he seems like a Budenholzer point guard. Sure. So I think that's a a thing that's gonna happen this summer. But um, I just think with Giannis, and then they have the whole Jabari thing, which is like. How much do they pay Jabari? Like, he is a restricted free agent. He's obviously not a good defender. He's coming off uh, a lot of knee injuries, and you're concerned long-term with him and how he fits next to Giannis and where he just fits in the court with this group. I just feel like they have a good coach now. They have a top-ten player, potentially top five this year in Giannis. Like, they're just – they're there in the East. Like, they're just sitting there. It was like a – I could see them having that – toronto bounce or they like they just surprise everybody and like just become the regular season giant that a lot of people are not expecting like i just i could see like upwards of 50 wins like 55 56 for the bucks this year like i really think they're going to be really good right away yeah i mean we've been saying similar things about the bucks for for a while right where it's like you know this 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 team's got next because they've got Giannis, and i think that's incredibly fair because Giannis, i mean uh, he he very well might be top five this year, and if he's not, it's because the other talent in the league is is so obscene right now. Um, so I mean, 
you know, if you've got somebody like Giannis, I think you're always kind of in the mix. I just don't know that I love a lot of the moves that have been made around him because, um, you know, like you know, Brooke is a Brooke is a perfectly you know fine player. You mentioned Jabari. I mean, if they're going to match on him, the Celtics are going to be just you know pretty happy because they enjoyed running just circles around him all year, um, and, and in that playoff series. Um, I don't know. I, I I really to me kind of the thing that they need is Giannis to somehow you know become even better to take another step. Like if he starts making even you know, what, like 33% of his threes, he's just completely different. Like he's just, uh, you know, like a completely different type of star. And it seems to me like that's almost what they need. It's just him to keep growing and keep getting even better, which is such an insane thing to ask of a top 10 player. Um, But, you know, I, I just don't know, like around him, there's just not that many other weapons. And if he can't, you know, punish people for playing back from him a little bit, um, then everything just gets so clogged. You know, we saw that for seven games, and obviously they they played really well against the Celtics in that series. But the Celtics are going to look a little different this year. And you know, Philly, I, I, I Philly will be better this year. And there's 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 some other real problems for them. Um, you know, I, I liked I, I liked the Dante DiVincenzo pick. Uh, I know a lot of people thought that it was yeah, a little a little high. Play right away for yeah, I think like. I think he's a right away role player. Um, and, you know, so I thought that was good. Um, and, and obviously they need his shooting and I, and I, you know, I don't, I don't hate their team. I just kind of, they, they really only have Giannis in terms of like people who truly I scare mean, Middleton. you. Middleton's good. And, <laughs> Middleton um, definitely scares the Where Celtics, were you when he sure. hit that shot? Were you close by when he hit the turnaround three from like 45 feet? I was in the, the uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was in the arena. Um, yeah, he was, yeah, that, that shot was incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I just I think the Bucks. I mean, Middleton's gonna be good for them right away. I want to see what they do with point guard. Like, I think you're gonna see a Malcolm Brogdon bump with yep. Boonholzer. I feel like he's gonna have a bounce back year with somebody like him. So maybe he's the long term answer for them at point guard. Maybe like <laughs> yeah, Boonholzer just hands him the keys. That's well, possible. and he's and he was definitely somebody who scared the Celtics. You know that that's a good point. They the Celtics were perfectly happy when Eric Bledsoe was on the court. Um, and you know whenever Brogdon came in, he would knock down you know some shots. Um, so. That's 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 true. Uh, Brogdon is a is a nice upgrade for them at point guard if he starts getting more minutes. I just I wonder what they do. Like, do you if you're do they bring back Jabari? Because it seems like most RFAs come back to their team. Like the Aaron Gordon stuff. That's why I never really bought like he was ever going to leave because you don't want to lose these kind of pieces for nothing. And it's just you can trade them later. But Jabari, it's like I don't know what his trade value is, and I don't even know if you want to risk not being able to trade him in like six months like who knows what he looks like on the court this year like there's so many different like issues with him but like he's still someone who you could talk yourself into on a lot of different teams and i wonder if there is a team out there where they could do a sign and trade for for a really good piece that can help them now and fit more of what Holzer wants to do I, I just i'm not sure who that team is though yeah it's a good question um you know i think with jabari you're not really giving up a ton of flexibility because you don't really have that much anyway, if you sign him to a decently big deal. And then if he, you know, performs really well, you know, maybe you can, I, I think mostly right now for all the RFAs, it's just a waiting game. Like, you know, what, what are you going to be able to get? Um, I don't think there's a whole lot of danger of Jabari taking his qualifying offer, because I think if you've had injuries like that and you are pretty likely to want to get at least something locked up for the future. Um, so 
it's it's a, they're in a tough place, man. I mean, they're 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 really good. You whenever you've got Giannis, they're going to be a good team. Um, you know, you, you got, he's been saying all of the right things about wanting to stay, so that's definitely encouraging. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's the the NBA right now is just this arms race, and you know they've really only got the one true weapon, and that, that's just a really tough place to be. Maybe you do a sign and trade for either Schroeder or Kent Bazemore. That's what you do. Send your right. to Atlanta. He'll play 36 <laughs> minutes. He'll play next to John Collins. Terrible defense, but it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he would he would enjoy himself down there, certainly. Um, again, uh, I'm not 100% sure how much uh, Bazemore and Schroeder scare the rest of the Eastern Conference, but it's, you know, it's uh, a, little, a little more <laughs> versatility. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know who can't get in on this now because they paid Yusuf Nurkic four years and uh, I think it was like, what, 57 million? Something like that. He's making, I think, 11 million this year now. Um, Evan Turner and Yusuf Nurkic are going to make $30 million for the Portland Trailblazers this year. <laughs> so I don't think they can get in on the uh, Jabari sweepstakes either. Yep. Yeah, that, what a what a wild offseason that was. Okay. Yeah. I can't even like, it's just that. Yeah. It's sad. I don't like looking at some teams that I like scap sheets because it's like, Oh, they can do nothing. This <laughs> is just who they are. They are, they are in cap hell for their foreseeable future. But, um, you're at summer league and this is the last thing and then we'll go, uh, who has impressed you? What are some, uh, good stuff that you've seen in Vegas last couple of days? Like, what are you having fun with? Are you having fun with your guy? Yabu? <laughs> um, Yabu's had a bit of a tough summer league so far. Um, he's uh, definitely struggling to show what he does on a real NBA roster, which is not what you want from a guy at this point. His uh, at this point on his contract. Um, yeah, no, I think uh, there's been a few guys who've been really impressive. I mean, we touched on Jaron Jackson, and he's been just awesome. Um, you know, Bomba's had some really nice moments as well. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're hoping to see a little bit more out of Aiden and Bagley. Um, you know, but I think especially, I, I think Aiden is, is a little bit scarier um, when, when you're looking at like how he's been just kind of mediocre and it, you never expect to see a ton from bigs in summer league because they're not really working with NBA guards yet. But um, you know, I think with Bagley, you kind of know that he's a bit of a project still um, and, and that you're hoping to, you know, develop him and we'll see how Sacramento, you know, does that. But um you know, I think you're a little bit less concerned about what he can't do yet, um, as you are with, you know, somebody like Aiton where, um, you know, we'll see, uh, there, there's, I think there's some, some concerns there, but Jackson's looked great. Um, you know, as far as some of the, like, the other late first round guys that I've really liked, um, Josh Okoji has looked really good for Minnesota. Uh, you know, he's okay. def- defensively, I think he's going to be really good. Um, you know, hasn't been shooting the ball well, but you know, he's had some real defensive moments that just really pop off the screen. Um, and, or I guess <laughs> pop off the court right in front of me. Um, and then, uh, see, Anthony Simons, um, has had a couple of nice moments. He's really young. Um, you know, Portland's, uh, Portland's first round pick. Um, he's really young. He really needs to put on some weight. We knew all of that stuff, but it has been, you know, his, his shot looks good. Um, even if it's a little, little weird looking and, uh, I just really like his athleticism and what he can do. And then, uh, I really liked, um, Kyrie Thomas. Uh, you know, for Detroit again, you know, defensive guy. Um, he's got a lot of work to do to sort of like 
polish up his game. Um, but you know, he's a guy that I was really high on coming into the draft. And I think, I think, uh, Detroit's gonna, just gonna really like him. I, I think he's, um, you know, kind of a, I, I think he's got a, he's got the potential to be a better version of Avery Bradley. Um, and we'll, we'll see oh, how, wow. how that develops, but yeah, yeah, I think he's got, okay. he's got the potential to be there for sure. Are you worried at all about Trey Young? You know, kind of, um, you know, I think, so I, I think at this point, you're not worried about his shot because he can shoot. Um, you're more worried about his consistency uh, and you're more worried about him getting into his own head because, you know, I think that's what's going on right now. Like, and I mean, I, I could be wrong. I'm not in his head or anything like that, but like he is, um, you know, he, he just kind of looks like he doesn't have much confidence right now. And you're, you're a shooter. Like you're a shooter who thrives on taking ridiculous shots and to take ridiculous shots, you have to have an obscene amount of confidence. And, you know, I think basically what's been happening since midway through last season is that teams have been beating the hell out of him. Like they've just been smacking him up, like, you know, pushing him around screens, just really just, just beating him to bits. And he, I mean, that, <laughs> that takes you out of a rhythm and, you know, he's got to, he's got to figure also out. takes you out of a rhythm. What's that? When the team you got drafted to, uh, traded the best player in the draft to acquire you. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Um, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, absolutely. And you know, he's—I'm he, sure he's feeling that pressure. I'm sure he's dealing just the actual physical defensive pressure. And I think that, and I think it's been going on for so long now that when he gets a look, he feels like he has to throw it up. Um, you know, if, if, even if it's like, even if it's not a good look, even if he hasn't gotten himself into a rhythm yet, he just sees like a look. He's like, oh, I can shoot this, and he, you know, feels like he has to really quick. Um, he looks great as a passer. Uh, you know, I think he's really, really got a good feel for the pick and roll. He's got a good feel in transition as a passer. He's, he's going to be a, I mean, at, at worst, he's a very, very good passer, even for a point guard. I think he could be like elite as, as a, you know, moving the ball and you want to, you hope that he'll be able to toughen up physically, toughen up maybe a little bit mentally. Um, and just, you know, become a really consistent three point shooter because he's got, he can do it. <laughs> like we know he can do it. Um, he's just got to you know, kind of be able to work through some of the stuff. And you hope that Atlanta will be able to design some stuff that, um, you know, maybe will take some of the pressure off him. So I wouldn't say that I'm worried yet. I do think that it's fair to at least have some questions about, um, you know, how well his shot will translate against, you know, NBA defenses, NBA point guards, and, you know, teams, this isn't a comparison to Steph Curry, but against teams who have had to prepare for Steph Curry. So they know how to deal with somebody who is, you know, pulling from 30 feet confidently off the dribble. You know, teams have seen that in the NBA. They haven't seen that as much, you know, in college or in, uh, you know, in high school where he was a star before. So we'll see. But, you know, I still like him. I still think Damian Lillardy. What's that? It just feels he's very Damian Lillardy to me. Like with a better, he is, I think he's a better passer. He's a better passer for sure. Like, Yeah. Yeah. But it does remind me a lot. I feel like it sounds kind of lazy to just say like, oh, he's Lillard. But like just the looks he takes and just the, the kind of shots that he's jacking up, it does feel like a Damian Lillard 2.0 thing. Not Steph Curry. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, I think, I think it's fair to say that his shots were Steph Curry-esque when he was in college. I mean, those, those mm-hmm. were Steph Curry shots. Um, but, you know, I think if you wanted to, I mean, I think your hope is that he can become, your hope is not that he becomes a Steph Curry shooter. Your hope is that he can become a Damian, like a, a Lillard shooter, who again, an elite, an elite shooter, but not the greatest shooter of all time. 
you know, if you can get him to be a... It turns out those kind of players don't come around very often. <laughs> generational player is thrown around way too much mm-hmm. because there are actually only like two generally to generational players. Like so as, are as, you saying that building Golden State 2.0 may not be the best idea? I, I, no, I mean, because if you, if you can do it, it's, it's the best yeah, idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but, it's, uh, but doing yeah. it is essentially impossible, yes. So you're concerned that Kevin Huerta, Omari Spellman, <laughs> and uh, Trey Young might not become future Hall of Famers all in their prime at the exact same time for the Hawks in the next five years. Is that what you're saying? Um, I mean, yes. But also, I will say, though, I mean, we just had this discussion. If you are trying to build a team that can shoot a ton of threes and that can gun a team out of the building, we just saw that yep. almost beat Golden State. So if you're trying to build a, mm-hmm. like you know a, a version of the Rockets, you don't have that James Harden piece yet, but you are starting to you know maybe you're on an interesting track. You know, like maybe you're okay, on. Now a, you're really hurting me because who did uh get who got compared to James Harden the most in this draft? Who was it? Luka Doncic. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, Markel Fultz got a lot of comparisons last year, but I was like, I don't know where you're going oh, with God. that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Listen, God. man, I, I will stand by it. If he, had, if he hadn't gotten the yips, that guy is a right-handed James Harden. That was my take last year. I've got to stick I with it. I unearth some of your Markel Fultz takes. Oh, my about goodness. a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I was, great. I was all the way in. Listen, listen, man, he's working with Drew Hamlin. We'll see what happens. <laughs> It's over, man. Like, how many, like, I just, I want you to find me, like, one good sports story that ends with a guy who started his career off with the yips, turned out to be a Hall of Famer. Hey, you I, know I what? I just don't think that's a thing. You know what? I will find you, come back to me in five years when Marcel Fultz is dominating the league, because that guy is awesome. Oh, I thought you were about to say out of the league, because <laughs> no. I think he's out of the league in two. You think he's out of the league in two? Yeah, two or three years. Anthony Bennett, well, Anthony Bennett wasn't out of the league in two. I know. I think he's gone. That's a wild take. That's more wild than your Wizards playoffs take. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. My Wizards take was fully justified if you watch that series at all. Like, they took them to seven. They um, they were super competitive all series long. My Wizards starting five take is still very much okay. Now, this year with Dwight Howard instead of Gortat, not great. But it's still going to be a very good starting five. So I will not have you attacking my Wizards beating the Raptors take in the first round because they went seven, they pushed them to the edge, and you know what? They came as close as they possibly could, but they still could not overcome just full Wizards-y nonsense. And I'm still mad at them because I still will maintain the belief that that starting five is better than the starting five for the Raptors. But the depth issue just killed them because they... uh, we're playing Ty Lawson and Jody Meeks and just a hodgepodge of terrible bench guys. So ultimately, it did not come to fruition, but I you will stand defend. by my Wizards in seven take. I mean, that, like, you should put enough context around Eddie Tate to make it sound a little better. Like, you know, Markel, okay. Markel Fultz. Markel this is Fultz. your last appearance in this podcast. So this, is, <laughs> this is it. Markel Fultz is an excellent ball handler. He showed that he's, his uh-huh. spin move works at the NBA level, finished pretty right. well. He had a triple double toward the end of the season. He is a you know just a really good passer still. Uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, all he has to do is, is get his shot down and get get rid of these yips. And by the way, these yips that have like they really just showed up this past year. So all he's got to do is start making some shots, and the conversation around him is completely different. Two you to three yada yadying, forgetting how to shoot. Two you two to three years. That. Two to three years is a wild take. That's that's my take from the spot. Is that two to three okay. years for him to be out of the out of the league is a wild take. 
I am so ready to come back and uh, circle back on this three years from now. Kind of like how you just circled back on that wizard's take that you have clearly had in the chamber the entirety of this podcast and trying to find a way to organically bring it up. So, um, no, I'm, so I'm going to remember this. And when Markel, yeah. But you know where he's going to be great? China. Like, Markel Fultz is going to be a fantastic China basketball player. He's going to get a statue. He's going to get the Stefan Murbury treatment. He's going to be great. But uh, not in the NBA. I think it's over. It's like, if over. I'm Philly, I'm getting him. <laughs> I am moving him now before anyone else. Like, so another team can talk themselves into him before um, it gets too bad. But, uh, yeah, he's immediately gone. Like, I'm calling Miami like, hey, uh, can we get Dragic for Markel Fulton, friends? Can we, uh, can we do that? W- what do you think? Um, I'm doing that immediately. Oh, Kawhi. If um, I'm if I'm Miami, want Markel Fultz? Yeah, huh? If I'm Miami, I do that trade in a split second. There you go. See, yeah. done deal. Yeah. And if I'm the Sixers, I'm like, oh, good luck with that. <laughs> good luck. And you know they've developed shooters so well in Miami, like just a bunch <laughs> of shooters, like Justice Winslow, and um, just uh, yeah, great. Have fun with that one. Wayne Ellington can teach him how to shoot. Who only shoots threes? Um, that could be the answer. Is working with Wayne Ellington in uh, Miami. I, I'm just I'm so not here for Marco Fultz stuff. I, I just think it's over. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll index card this one the same way I uh, I'll just file it right next to my Wizards one. It'll be a okay. We'll, we'll have it filed. <laughs> there we go. We have it filed. Three years, three years max <laughs> before Marco Fultz is not in the NBA anymore. All right, we got it. There we go. Uh, what a way to end this podcast. I was not <laughs> expecting to go down the Markel Fultz rabbit hole, but here we are. That's why um, we do these podcasts, because you never know. It uh, can go a lot of different directions. But Tom Westerholm, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, be safe in the upcoming days in Vegas. You are Papa Tom now, so yes. um, you have to be responsible in Vegas. So um, do that, and we can find you on Twitter at Tom underscore NBA. And we can read you at MassLive.com, where you are the best Boston Celtics beat writer on the planet. Tom, <laughs> let's talk in soon. All right, man. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. On the line right now, Coach David Thorpe makes his return to the podcast. And Coach, I have to start with this. You know Masai Ujiri. And my favorite offseason storyline right now is Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors getting involved in the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes at the top of the Eastern Conference. Do you think right now, we're recording this on a Monday night, that there is a real chance that Ujiri would be able to get somebody like Kawhi right now? Or do you think it's just they have a good relationship with the Spurs, he knows RC, and that's the extent of it? Or is this a real thing that we should... Uh, we should at least um, think about as a legitimate possibility. I don't see any reason why it's not a possibility. Uh, I, my, my best guess from what I put together and talking to people who, and for the most part, know more than I do regarding Kawhi, including I talked with old agent, uh, Brian Elfitz, who's not part of it anymore. But I think he's a young man that doesn't really know what the hell to do right now. And, Honestly, I don't think he's got people in his life that know what to do. It's, it's pretty hard to argue that this has gone well for them. In other words, if you sat down and scripted out 
18 months ago, or whatever he, whatever day he turned his ankle against the Warriors in game one, uh, if you sat down and got to today, you would say, well, whatever we've done has failed because we are not where we want to be right now. And I, I don't know who to blame for that. It, it, that isn't as relevant as what is relevant, which is Kawhi. I mean, it, it's his, ultimately it's up to him. And that's why I think he's lost. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't think Pop cares where Kawhi goes as much as what comes back. And the one thing I can tell you about the Raptors, uh, they're one of a few teams that have a combination of win today and players that can help you win tomorrow. And so if you're the Spurs, you're, you've got LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, he is an all-star. He is a very talented player. You are losing one of the best players in, in the world. And so you're saying to yourself, all right, we want to get players that can help us win big today. Well, the Toronto won the Heat. I, I don't care if they folded against the Cavaliers in two of the four games were you know, last-second situations. Um, you're, they, they've got some really good players. And so if you're R.C. Buford, you can get players that can help you win today and players that can help you win tomorrow because they're young. Uh, that's what you're looking for. And Toronto is one of the few teams that can do that. Yeah. And I mean, I just think it's so interesting because we already know about the Boston stuff and, uh, they're probably not going to do it, but the top of the East now is Toronto, Boston, and, uh, Philly. And we know Philly is a legitimate possibility in the connection with Brett Brown and the team doctors and all that kind of stuff. But we just haven't really talked about Toronto, but I think that's my favorite aspect of this now is that, I want Kawhi to go east. We need more stars in the east, and it's just insane, the imbalance now. Um, I just can't wait to see the all-star voting and everything else for next year because there's going to be a lot of serious snubs. And just seeing the disparity between the two, even though they now um, just pick their teams and everything else, but it's still kind of insane just how much uh, star power is in the west versus the east. But if we can get Kawhi in the east and any of those three teams, like they immediately become the favorite. And I wonder if you're Boston, you're kind of getting a little antsy about Kawhi either going to Philly or Toronto, because like you said, Toronto has this nice mixture of young talent that can play now that can help you win now. And also the veterans who can guide you to 60 wins in the East. Like I think if Kawhi is, if he gets traded to the Raptors, even if you don't think he'll resign or whatever, like that wins the East next year, like Kawhi and a, it, just that group that they have. And then we'll see what happens with Nick nurse as a head coach. But like, I feel like they would immediately be the favorites, right? With Kawhi Leonard, they'd be the favorites in the East for sure. I, I, I mean, obviously we don't know what they'd be giving up, but uh, it's a no brainer from a side, even if you lose uh, him in a year, uh, because it, it's going to, it's going to open up a bunch of money and, yep. they, and they do have some of the young talent. They're not going to get rid of all of it. Uh, and so they, we know they talked about moving Lowry and DeRozan. Those are hard guys to move, but the Spurs would be a team that would be very interesting uh, because of, of what they already have in San Antonio. And DeRozan, maybe, maybe even more so, possibly. Maybe they moved Danny Green. They moved Danny Green to three spot, which is possible. Um, I, yeah, I think that uh, – I think if you're – I mean, I, I, yeah, of course, I'm friends with Messiah. I'm not asking about anything like this at all. But um, he has an argument – of, hey, the guy spends a year in our culture, in our city. Uh, we, we, this isn't, we, uh, it, it's a big city. It's a happening place. It's very cosmopolitan, but it's also not in the media spotlight like a place like LA and New York or whatever. And 
uh, Kawhi probably likes that. And, and you're also making the argument of you're going to be the best player in a conference potentially um, and uh, with a real shot to get to the finals. And, and you're also thinking if he ends up leaving in a year and we have opened up, we've proven before, we can, we can rebuild. Uh, as long as the ownership agrees, if you're, if you're Masai and you have ownership saying, let's do it, uh, so you don't get fired in two years when suddenly you get back to 40 wins when you lose the trade and then you lose Kawhi a year later, potentially, and now you've got a rebuilding and you're middle, they'll be middle of the road. Um, as long as the owners get it, then it's a worthwhile move. And I, I, yeah, I don't see why it's not a possibility that could happen. And it's the best of both worlds for them because I think they've already been mulling this for the last couple of years anyway, and they keep winning and like the plan five years. I ago, know they have. Really gay. Yeah, yeah. I, so I know they works. have. Masai told me they were. He told me a couple of years ago privately. Now I can say it's two years ago that they they probably have one more good year and then rebuild. But it just went great. And I mm-hmm. and again the, the playoffs are funny and 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 obviously it's better to have a, a best of seven in one game like the NCAA. Four, but uh, you know, just go back to game one against the Cavaliers. It, it's a game that, if you look at probability scores, I would guess they were in the 90s, you know, almost the entire second half in terms of the probability to win. But they win that game, you know, 95 times, 90 times out of 100, almost the entire fourth quarter if you play that out. And then game three, you know, LeBron hits a great shot to, to, to beat Shea at the buzzer. Uh, they, 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 were, they were right. A good record against the West. They were not paper tigers. It, it just, and Dwayne Casey lost his job probably because he, he just didn't really handle postseason play as well as he, he could have. But uh, they, they have a lot of confidence in the coach they brought, but they clearly have shown that they can build something. And, and if, you're, if, you're, if you're Kawhi, uh, I, I think it's one of the most attractive places you could possibly go. And I yeah. also think that's and that can. Uh, knowing him as well as I have for as long as I have, he can really make Hawaii feel comfortable and confident. And it's a very well-run franchise right now, as the Spurs are. So Kawhi will see that. Um, but we, we're in a situation because he's been poorly managed. And, and so I couldn't begin to guess that they suddenly will figure it out and manage him well. There is an art to this business that those guys don't get. I'm sorry, the record is very clear on this. They don't get it. They, they have taken a guy that was with a tragic figure when he, when he got hurt against the Warriors, but almost mythical in that he just ascended into this incredible place of prominence where he's an NBA Finals MVP and now a first-team All-League NBA player, and now we're here. That, that's gross yeah. mismanagement. Both have to do in university classes uh, based on this kind of story. They, they grossly mismanaged this guy's career. Uh, and I couldn't be, I would not guess that they'll suddenly recognize, oh, here's all the mistakes we made. I think they'll continue to fake it. And they might screw up a great opportunity like, like Toronto might be bringing to the table. I, I would agree. And I think just the way like they got Van Fleet back on an amazing deal and he was just so critical to their success last year. And if you ended up having to move DeRozan for Kawhi, I don't think that's the worst case in the world. And I think it's like a really interesting wrinkle of like putting DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge in the Spurs system and just how people would view them it, through the Spurs lens because it is inter- interesting to see like how certain guys get the benefit of the doubt on the right team and then um, a very different take depending on which team they're on. 
And then you put Kawhi in there, and if Danny Green's included, and he goes over, and you just mix and match a little bit. Like, that's still just a really deep team, and you still have Jakob Pertl. They still have Lucas Nagoya, who's a really good rim protector, and you just have all these different names that fit with a superstar on the wing a lot better than what it is right now because they've been overachieving without a superstar. But then it's kind of like Matt Moore and I were talking about this with the Hornets. It's the same kind of thing where there's a lot of teams in the league right now that if they had like a LeBron or a Kevin Durant or someone else, like an elite perimeter player like that, their roster makes perfect sense as a title contender. Like it's just, they don't have that one piece to make it all work. It's just a hodgepodge of pretty solid to above average players. And I think if you put somebody like Kawhi on a team that, you know, the culture is good, you know, the team is built to both win now and also win later. Um, And there's still a lot of room to navigate both waters. Like, I just think all those things are really appealing. And then, for Philadelphia, they don't even have a general manager right now. Like Brett Brown's having to do everything, and you just there's a lot of uncertainty there. And I mean, does Kawhi want to bet on um, Joel Embiid's long term health? Like, does he want to play second fiddle to Ben Simmons? And just there's a lot of stuff there where I just feel like it, it would be really easy for him to just move on to Toronto and turn the page. And I don't think he would be in the spot like like he would be with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons or in Boston or in Los Angeles. Like I feel like if he can get away from like you said, where it just, it's all been handled so poorly, you send him to Toronto and he can kind of regroup and just get back to basketball and get into another good culture and just be a superstar again on the East on the best Eastern conference team and go to the finals and turn the page. It, it just makes too much sense to me. It, it, well, yeah, I could make an argument though for Boston and Miami, a lot of places, but the one thing that, that is uh, kind of jumped off the page is his, management team that screwed up so bad that they probably don't have the confidence, at least based on what I've seen so far, to recognize that this branding issue is, is a big deal. And, and NBA players, uh, they probably shouldn't always be a brand, but they are, and they tend to stay that way. And if you factor in the Toronto situation of everyone in Toronto, it's almost like the English in soccer, they, they just feel like they're snake bit. Well, Here's the thing. You get Kawhi Leonard to Toronto, and they still don't win, uh, even with a lot of talent to include Kawhi, then he's proven what he can do. I mean, he was an NBA Finals MVP, and it's not like Manu and Parker and Duncan were in their prime. Kawhi got the MVP, and deservedly so. And so he's almost got some protection when you look about building a brand, because if they do win, he's an incredible hero. In, yeah. in a major city, and Those if they don't, care. it's an amazing. Yeah, oh no, no, they're amazing fans. They're amazing fans. Any, any fan base would welcome in with open arms, hugely. Um, I understand why he'd want to go to LA and play with LeBron. I understand why he wouldn't. This is a different situation here, but uh, he he has seen even this year when he didn't play and show up a lot. The Spurs managed to win forty plus games with, with just really Lamarcus. Yeah. Uh, he, he knows what a team can do when they play the right way. Know how Nick Nurse is going to do. I thought Toronto really made steps forward in playing the right way. And, I, and I'll also throw this out. Uh, Greg Popovich changed his offense around Kawhi's ability to score an ISO. Uh, mm. Drastically. Dramatically so. And getting DeRozan, he would do similar things uh, with DeMar as he did with Kawhi. Um, and he probably would have him, you know, I'm sure he'd play off and take a pop action and pin, pin, pin down and, and pop or pin and roll. 
Uh, he'll do some of that stuff with, with those two guys, and then he'll get more. He'll, he'll get, you know, I don't know if he'll get OG, if he'll get Turtle. He'll, he, he's not, it's not going to be a one-off. There's no. going to be, he's going to get more pieces and draft picks. But again, as long as Toronto doesn't sell all their guys, yep. they, they've got to have to be able to build on in case Kawhi does leave in a year. And, and there's no guarantee that you can't get a firm commitment from Kawhi that, hey, let's do this and I'm, I'm, this is where I want to be. Uh, I don't know that, that it, it, it's, it's legally binding. Uh, players tend not to screw you over and stuff like that normally anyway. Um, but I think it's something that Masai would do. Like if he, if he could get Kawhi Leonard for anyone on his team uh, and not the whole team, it would look great. Uh, no, nobody would, it, especially now with the, with the, the narrative of LeBron going to LA, which makes total sense to me. I, I, it always had made sense that if he just wants to make a business decision, he goes there because his business is not going to be just basketball for the rest of his life. And just like Durant went to San Francisco uh, for Silicon Valley reasons, uh, LeBron's in LA for Hollywood reasons, which I think is fantastic and great for him. If, if Toronto lands Kawhi, it's, it's the biggest story because they're getting, they're getting a top player in the world in his prime with the only caveat being an injury, which they probably will know behind the scenes, just how serious you just take that is. risk anyway, because you did not expect you to would. be here. Like we, yeah, yeah, like it's just like whatever. Because we were thinking we were going to have to rebuild before now, and if he leaves yeah. this year, we took a big swing, and it's fine. And we can, right. we're back where we wanted to be anyway. So it's just That's right. there's no way of losing this if you're Masai and the Raptors. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you do whatever you can do. Right. So another guy in the East who is positioning himself as the heir apparent to LeBron's Eastern Conference is Giannis. And I think, I, I just feel like a lot of people are not talking about what the Bucks have done this offseason yet. And I think um, if I had to pick a team to like make that jump next year back to the top of the Eastern Conference and be like a dark horse finals contender without LeBron, it's the Bucks. And I think Budenholzer just kind of, he was his own worst enemy in Atlanta and just uh, making a lot of, uh, odd it's just a similar thing of we've seen the story before of coach gm roles just not really panning out but he's still a really good coach and he won 60 games with um al horford and paul Millsap and t corver and all that kind of stuff so you put him in milwaukee and this is the best coach Giannis has ever had this is a team that you know is going to maximize now what Giannis is with Budenholzer. they still have some okay shooting we don't know what's going to happen with blood so i would not bet on him being there at the start of this year and then you kind of you got a, a big question mark with Jabari, and they signed Ilyasova, who um, I still like a lot, and I think he fits really well on this team. And then you just signed Brooke, and I just you see what they're doing now, and they're adding the shooting, especially down low, that they really needed uh, in the last couple of years around Giannis. But now they're doing it, and I I just wonder if people are going to be shocked by the Bucks taking another leap because Giannis is only getting better, and if you put more shooting around him, more talented players, and you actually have a good coaching staff for him, I I just I feel like the Bucks are coming. Am I crazy? Oh no! I think that's what most of us are, are saying every day. Is with tweaks to what you said is it's easy to get caught up in the other guys, and, and you're right in every sense. Those other guys are impressive, and 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 because they can shoot all that. Brook was a good. Brook Lopez was a good signing, and uh, I also you know I know that Kyle Korver's available. I don't know if they trade him to to that team, but uh, it would be great yeah. to get Bud back with him. But the, to me, what's most interesting about Milwaukee, beyond what you said about the coach, which I agree with, this is 
overwhelmingly the best coach to play for. I, Jason Kidd, to me, was just not a very good coach. He was okay at best. He had his moments mm-hmm. where I thought he was better than what I initially I thought, but ultimately I thought he was just average at best. Yeah. Or, but it's not average, in my opinion, as a coach. So I think this is a Giannis might explode as a player again. Like, we've yeah. already seen one explosion. He's got another one in him. Uh, I don't know what he's doing with his shooting. Uh, that alone is a, is a, is a significant difference maker. But also just, I mean, a great coach helps guys learn how to play. And I just think he's going to help Giannis, uh, Buzz and help Giannis more and more understand how to play and how to win, how to impact games better and better uh, as experience also. And remember, every game you play is a reference point for your workouts in the offseason. You can remember what this happened, this happened. Oh, I was faced with this and I did this and work on this. It's just uh, those reference points. That's why playing time is so valuable to a player. It, it, it gives them an opportunity to, to build in their mind a construct where they can see the game when they're practicing. So uh, I think Giannis can explode again this season. And with those other guys around him with a coach that knows what he's doing, I mean, they took, they took Boston to seven games in round one uh, this year with no coach, yeah. really. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that I think everyone's getting caught up in the West with uh, mm-hmm. LeBron in L.A. and Golden State in Houston. Uh, the reality is Boston, Milwaukee, and if, if perhaps it's yet Hawaii, the East might be deeper at the elite level. I would agree. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pretty solid to above average teams in the West. And then there's only like one team that we just are certain is going to be a doormat in like Sacramento, but the East, it's like, just like you said, it's very top heavy with three or four teams that are just going to be really, really strong and blow a lot of people out and win a lot of games this year. Um, I want to reel off some quick questions for you and your immediate thoughts on this. Um, Devin Booker. Max level player or no? Are you? Would you be concerned if you're Phoenix giving Devin Booker that kind of money? Betting on him. You're, he's not there. You're hoping that he does get there. With the right of his coach, they hired is really good. Um, I think he. I think he may not be quite at that level, but close enough where you couldn't. You couldn't afford not to make him happy. Okay. Um, if you had to bet on one of the bigs who, like we had a, this is a very big heavy draft. If you had to bet on one of the five of the top seven picks to turn into a superstar, who would be your best bet right now? Uh, I, I, I probably wouldn't get any of them, but uh, I, okay. I, like, I like what I saw from Mo Bamba last night, but yeah. I've not watched him enough. I don't watch him in college at all. I like what I saw from Mo Bamba. I really, my, my philosophy always is this. Uh, some players can be superstars no matter where they play, no matter who they play for. Most guys need help. Uh, I think yeah. all these guys need help. If they're in the right situation, uh, uh, they can become a star anyway, maybe not a superstar. Um, and if they don't get it, they can be average. Who would you be more wary of signing a four-year deal right now, Zach Levine or Jabari Parker? Oh, I'd pass on both. Okay. Zach to well, me, I mean, just I signed I, up for four years. <laughs> yeah, I, saw, I always saw Zach. I mean, I said, God, I think he was just a rookie early in his career, uh, early in his rookie season. I said he's Jamal Crawford. That 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 he's he's a great sixth man, but uh, but that's at best, and he's long, he's a long way from that with his injury, his, his lack of knowledge of the game. He doesn't really know how to play at all. Um, you know, he, I probably would believe in him better than Parker, just because of the injury issue with Parker. But um, 
I'd be, I'd be afraid of either guy. Okay, last thing. This is like my favorite thing about the Charlotte Hornets these days is I really enjoyed Kimba and Jeremy Lin Charlotte from a couple years ago. Those two played so well together, and I think Kimba's best when he's got someone else to play off him, kind of like his own Fred Van Fleet with like Kyle Lowry in Toronto, where it just seems yeah. like certain guys benefit from having another playmaker next to them, an unselfish guy who will get them opportunities to catch and shoot because they're not traditional point guards in that sense where like Kimba is a score first guy and he's asked to like carry a high usage rate in Charlotte and everything else. Is there a chance that Tony Parker recreates that magic with uh, Borrego now coaching the team and um, that kind of Jeremy Lin uh, Kimba dynamic from a couple years ago? Is that something that you would bet on or is Tony Parker too far gone for that to happen? Yeah. I mean, I, he's probably, it's a great thought you have. It's probably a little bit too late for that. Uh, and I really, I don't know the Charlotte situation very well, which shows Don now. Uh, I have a hard time believing it's even half of what the Spurs are like as a, yeah. as a franchise. And I think Tony's going to, Tony's been used to staying at nothing but the four seasons. And now he's going to be you know, beating Radisson. And nothing, against, nothing wrong with Radisson, but it's not the four seasons. And yeah. Charlotte, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Charlotte runs an amazing franchise from soup to nuts, A to Z. But um, I, I worry that they don't. And Tony's going to think, what, what did I do? And he doesn't move so great anyway. Um, but I think they'll play with it. It's a, it's a nice idea in theory. I wish Monk hadn't got hurt. I hope he's going to be okay. I'd like him. You know, he's a different kind of player. But I'd, I'd, like, I'd, li- I'd like him coming out of college. And I thought he and Kemba could be good. Kemba, of course, and we're all going to be watching because if Charlotte just you know, stinks again, it, moving him wouldn't be a surprise at all. Yeah. Coach Thorpe, this was great. I'm glad we were able to make this happen tonight. Uh, it's my pleasure. appreciate you having me. All right. Well, we can find you on Twitter at Coach Thorpe. We can listen to you on the back-to-back podcast with uh, Tom Haberstrow. Every, you've kind of mixed and matched a little bit, but it, it used to be when Thursday? Was it Thursday? Every day. Yeah, normally it's Thursday. We almost always do it Thursday, yeah. Okay. The Nerder She Wrote, it's great. Um, last week you had Mike Wright, and it was fantastic. Um, so check yeah. all that out. And uh, Coach Thorpe, we will have to talk again soon. I look forward to it. Thank you, Chase. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second and leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.